This week's episode is sponsored by Glasgow-based subversive soda manufacturer Rapscallion Soda, who are passionate about sustainability and on a mission to get people drinking better soft drinks. Search Rapscallion Soda online and on socials. Hello and welcome to Insight Futures podcast, Time for Action. This is week nine of our 12-week countdown to COP26, the 26th annual UN Climate Change Conference of Parties, which will be hosted in Glasgow from the 31st of October to the 12th of November. The focus for this week's episode is understanding and education. CEO Doug Morrowood speaks with Roy Gardner, Vice Principal of Corporate Development and Innovation at City of Glasgow College, where they discuss the necessity of understanding and education to support significant change and the importance of reskilling in light of climate challenges. So let's get started. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode of Time for Action. Hi, I'm here with Roy Gardner, who's Vice Principal, Corporate Development and Innovation at City of Glasgow College. Hi, Roy, how are you? I'm very well, Doug. Yourself? Yeah, great. Um, nothing. It's nice weather out there, so a great time for a chat. Um, tell me a bit more about the day in the life of Roy Gardner. What sort of stuff comes across your desk at the college or in other roles you fulfil? Uh, okay, well, I'm Vice Principal at the City of Glasgow College, um, one of the largest colleges in the UK, let alone Scotland. Um, and one of my areas of responsibility is provost of the Riverside campus. Um, the Riverside campus is largely a, a STEM campus, if you like, but it also houses nautical, marine. Um, my entire corporate development team, so all the business and international work, um, innovation in STEM uh, as well. So of a day, anything can come across my desk from signing off contract agreements for Indonesia, partnership agreements for Malaysia, to uh, take responsibility when the building's emptied for a fire alarm, um, of which happened last week when I was on a live call to the Saudi Arabian government. So days are very diverse, um, uh, very rich, actually. Um, so you get you get a whole manner of means of things coming at you. Um, and it, it's good now that we're getting back on campus. There's more and more staff coming in each day, which um, is better. It's, it's, it's better than, you know, the office has been very quiet. Uh, obviously, we're off during the pandemic for right reasons, but um, it's now time to get people back in for their own for their own health and well-being as well, because a lot of people need the social interaction here in the, in the office. Uh, and I'm trying to be in as much as I can to help, you know, just help help them with that journey back in and on campus. So so each day is very different. Um, I met with a lot of people, a lot of phone calls. Um, and now, and I would say this, and uh, probably most people in a management position would say, because we're so used to Zoom, Teams, uh, WhatsApp, FaceTime, text message, phone calls, emails, everyone can reach you at different multiple platforms at different times now. Um, and it just seems like the norm, you know, when somebody's phone goes saying, oh, it's that, is that me, is that you? Um, and it's just a whole manner of means to the point where I'm charging my mobile phone twice a day. <laughs> a, rich, a rich variety of activities, Roy. And uh, I suppose another com- complexity around that is the idea that you're now you know, fully remote, not just yourself, but the, the college as well and other educational establishments. And that's an interesting dynamic in terms of blended learning. Um, you know, What do we gain from that ability to just jump on a call and not travel so much, maybe not just locally, but internationally? And what's the carbon impact on that? But what do we lose with in terms of that physicality, that collision zone where you bump into people and say, oh, I've just had an idea here, or if you're actively working uh, mm-hmm. on something creative or innovative together. So today we're here to discuss understanding and education, learning in general, I suppose, and how it's necessary to support significant change. So what role does the college sector and broader education sector have in helping young people and adults, I suppose, to upskill 
and reskill in light of the climate challenges facing us? Um, well, you know, we, when the pandemic first hit, you know, the, the college flipped to online learning overnight. You know, we, we had discussed it, um, not from a pandemic perspective, we discussed it from a COP perspective. You know, one of the questions I posed, um, the faculties at the time were saying, you know, with COP coming to town, you know, could you work remotely for two weeks? Um, and it was a big, wow, head-scratching moment. And that was in November 2019, a year before it was due to come. Um, you know, fast forward three months and we were doing it for real without a genuine plan behind us, you know. But, you know, the college uh, admirably um, flipped to that. You know, we had our first SMT meeting the following morning. Um, the principal and I and other senior managers walked around the campus that day talking to staff, telling them the reasons behind it, you know, telling them what we knew, explaining to what we thought we knew, um, and that for the right reasons we were going to be working from home and we didn't think we'd be back in the building the rest of the term, which was met with, with shock. From a student perspective, you know, cascading that message out, you know, so that it get down, we used all the social media channels to our advantage. Um, uh, and quickly, you know, to the testament and admiration to a lot of staff, they quickly adapted their lessons. You know, everybody just became a Teams expert overnight. Zoom was being used from a commercial perspective a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot there was a lot of great work uh, going on. And what we're trying to do now is retrospectively capture that good practice and build on it in the future because we do see that the future is blended. You know, it's, it's not going to go back to the full way it was, you know, face-to-face -face learning. And, you know, um, that's the only way it, it has to be blended uh, in the future uh, and for the benefit, but not to lose sight of the, the richness that you get in a face-to-face -face perspective, you know, that, that impartment knowledge from one professional to a class group. Uh, it can be beaten, but it can be complemented with um, a blended approach. Um, so that's that's what we're looking at. You asked about upskilling and reskilling, and if I focus on that from a, from a business perspective, an employer training uh, perspective, um, we had been using Zoom um, by by default actually at the request of a client from the January that year, January 2020. A client had enjoyed training by one of our, uh, our professional staff to the point of said, could we get more managers involved? Uh, like. 50 of them on a call so we thought well zoom's that platform so we bought a license and we were using it um so the commercial team that delivered to the employers was quite used to using zoom and then all of a sudden it just you know it, it kind of went through the roof that, that that march april was a transition month if you like you know getting the messaging out there who who can do what you know businesses were shutting down uh or closing their doors for for the pandemic and lockdown and then it was a case of communicating with them to see you know, do they still want to undertake the training, you know, um, and, and for that matter, we, we started training again in the May, completely online. And if I take from April, May that, that 2020 till now, we've trained over 10,000 uh, employees on online exclusively. Now with that mixture of coming back, um, so we really ramped up the kind of upskilling and reskilling effort during that. Um, using a mixture of tools that are available to us, using a mixture of funds as well. If you take the Flexible Workforce Development Fund um, as an incentive for employers to still keep their, their workforce going. Uh, and might be a surprise, you might not be, but a lot of the subject areas that were still of uh, request, managing teams, time management, having difficult conversations, uh, and then a lot more specialist uh, training and development. But that idea of the health and well-being kind of 
was underpinned right throughout that um, because a lot of people were still working from home. Can be isolated, yeah. So I can understand that there's there was this kind of digital skilling that needed to happen. We all had to go through that almost on an individual yeah. basis. And then you had to work out, I suppose, from a college point of view, not just for your own students, but then for the business uh, uh, training that you do or the training into businesses that you do as well. I'm also wondering, I suppose, the requirements. Are you seeing a change? Okay, there's the, the kind of core training that you would do that you would, will always be requested. Do you see, uh, and also in the... I suppose the 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 modules and the, the the courses you deliver in the college, the transition from as you you have we've talked about before a heating engineer going from that to you know a boiler a gas boiler to a ground source or a heat an alternative heat source, um, you know are, are we seeing requests for uh, different skills more than the green skills or any other ones digital data that are really going to be important in order to transition to a circular net zero carbon. Uh, economy yes we're seeing um not in the way of formal requests there's also a lot of discussion going on just now um a, a lot of uh, work going on if you take the just transition um there's quite a number of steering groups that have been set up uh, i think it's been, probably been discussed in multiple forums across you know the business community employment platforms you know city council chambers of commerce um through formal channels for the government sqa and you know, the colleges, College Scotland, the uh, sector representation. Um, and by there is a sheer will uh, and determination that, the, you know, well, certainly from the college perspective, that the sector is ready, you know, and has to invest in, you know, not just upskilling their own staff to get ready for this, but working with industry. So what, what is happening, what's happening out there, what skills, et cetera, do you need um, so that we can prepare our programmes and courses for it? Um, does that require physical equipment? Well, possibly in a lot of areas. Um, and it is a journey. If you take oil and gas as that kind of example where, you know, you're transitioning oil and gas people working there currently into what, what green skills look like, offshore, wind, energy, tidal, et cetera. So um, it is a long process historically, but I think we don't have the luxury of time in our hands. I think, you know, particularly with COP as a catalyst, you know, what's the legacy, you know, the work towards net zero. I mean, if you take 2030, that's hugely ambitious. It's only, you know, eight, nine years away, if you do, depending on where you take from this this point onwards. Um, but it's something we have to do. It's something you can't shy away from. You know, we can no longer um, ignore it. So it is something we just don't have to roll our sleeves up and get on with. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, a huge, huge effort required for colleges to re to reverse articulate into schools, you know, um, and help with that senior phase um, element, preparing them for, for college, preparing them for college in the workplace, preparing them for college and beyond, possibly university. Um, and it is, it's a more joined up approach, probably that, you know, deeper partnership working between uh, the educational departments of local authorities with tertiary system in its entirety you know both colleges and universities um, sounds like um, you're talking about various interfaces there almost between primary and secondary schools secondary schools and colleges or and employers or colleges uh, as, as secondary school and universities or secondary school and directly into employment um but equally you know between colleges and universities but that these interfaces there's a transition at each stage, obviously, and you talked about a just transition, I suppose, leaving nobody behind. I think yeah. we've had legacy challenges in the past where we've closed down heavy industries in the UK and, and further around the world, yeah. and we've left communities and people kind of fairly yeah. isolated in the past. Um, you know, you mentioned a major uh, industry in, in Scotland and the UK, oil and gas. 
and that transition. But there are many others, I suppose, uh, smaller ones. But if you look at these transitions and these interfaces, and that joined up, uh, I suppose, end-to-end process, which can, I suppose, put really strong um, core skills around lifelong learning, which is going to be required going forward. You are listening to Insight Futures podcast, Time for Action. Tune in every Friday where we discuss a different topic each week with a valued guest speaker. Subscribe on Spotify for weekly episodes. Do we feel? Do you feel we have an agile enough ecosystem, education ecosystem, that can move as quickly as you're suggesting? I think I get sacked if I say I wouldn't. Yeah, I think they do. But you're, you're right to highlight that problem. You know, historically, even you know, whole communities and you know towns and cities and um, uh, behind. Um, I was at the State of the Economy Conference on Friday and I heard from the leader of the council where that just can't happen again. Right. You know, there is a resounding yes, absolutely, around the room from all the private sector businesses, institutions, both colleges, universities are there. I think now the difference is the, you know, access for all, you know, that lifetime learning, as we call it, lifelong learning, we call it lifetime learning, you know, that no one can be disadvantaged by the background, the age, you know, or any, any, anything that maybe historically would discriminate them from accessing a course. Um, there are obviously some huge challenges coming out of the pandemic and the economy. There's also some huge opportunities. Um, so if you take, you know, you know, some of the things you're hearing, you know, with job retention scheme ending, there's going to be mass unemployment. Well, it's, it's not really happened yet. If anything, you take hospitality and culinary, that, that was a sector that was supposed to be hugely decimated. But right now we're getting weekly, sometimes daily calls from businesses saying, you know, can you help us recruit? Um, haulage industry is one thing, supply chains another. You know, if you take our maritime part of the college, um, you know, that's a key sector for the supply chain. And, you know, there's there's a constant demand there for, for people. There's just a, a longer process to get them trained, to get to get them into that. You know, other indications, the healthcare sector is going to have a recruitment crisis in the future because after the pandemic, a lot of people are just exhausted with it. You know, um, anecdotally, that's what you're hearing. So, you know, how can we take people from the healthcare sector and upskill and reskill them into something else, you know? And the colleges do do that. The colleges have always done that. I think we just have to do it now um, quicker um, and with industry at the very heart of that. You know, so we've got an industry partner at the table telling us exactly what they need for their workforce and we will work with them and devise a programme that's relevant even for that individual business or for that sector. Um, and we've got good case studies in that, you know, working with the, the financial sector. We've got a 12-week programme, get, get into finance, you know, and you get a guaranteed interview at the end of it. You know, it's retraining graduates from any profession, history graduate, geography graduate, you know, and if they fancy a career in the financial sector, um, there is a course there, but industry input into that course, and that's what makes it much more viable. I suppose uh, that's a really interesting point you make because do we start with a kind of skill push or does it does it come from a, a market pool? So if we don't know the jobs of the future yet, you know, they may not exist yet, it's very hard to kind of work at primary, secondary, tertiary stage in education to almost have that, you know, agility. But that that example you gave, a 12-week course that can maybe allow you go, you've graduated in this and then you can move into the finance and here's some, you know, course skills and training that you'll need to be able to do that. This yeah. sounds, that sounds a, mu- a much more, um, it's not a four-year apprenticeship. It's not, you know what I mean? It's something a bit more kind of uh, accessible and potentially there's this real positive outcome. At the t- you get an interview at the end or you get some transition into another career. 
Yeah, I think you're right there. You highlight the push and pull strategies, you know, for is it skills led or is it skills pushed? I think right now it's a parallel, you know, both have to just work hand in hand mm-hmm. um, along at a pace and dialogue that, that suits both parties, you know. Um, you know, some of the, you know, I, I chair the Glasgow Regional STEM group and we've got Glasgow Educational Services uh, uh, on that. And some of the work that's going on in the primary schools is absolutely outstanding when it comes to raising awareness and STEM and subjects and the creativity that pupils show um, is, is breathtaking. So how, how do you harness that with knowing and working with industry that the jobs of the future and getting that communication into the schools? And teachers are pivotal to that as well. Um, so that's why I'm saying it's a joint, it's a much deeper partnership approach than, it, than it's ever been. Um, and that's that's the way it has to work in the future because you can't have, you know, your, your big tech companies just trailblazing away and leaving, you know, the, the education system and the tertiary system behind. It just it just won't work, you know. Um, and I, I think the pandemic's highlighted this, you know. Um, uh, it's, it's brought it right to the fore for, for a lot of the, uh, the key chief execs and industry leaders and, and, uh, and leaders of uh, the civic authorities as well. It's a good uh, point, again, that um, there's a number of organisations, large employers, who are struggling to attract, retain and develop talent. You know, there is something about them having to get on board with this, bringing sustainability into the core of their growth strategies, because in in terms of the private sector, because they will um, maybe struggle to attract more um, people, young people looking for more meaningful or purposeful employment. And and they're at the point just now where we've got, uh, okay, a large number of un- uh, filled places in the UK. We've got a lot of different skills gaps going on. There's there's a kind of gap between, um, I suppose, how much you could be paid and whether you want to work in that particular environment, whether it's in construction or hospitality or or as a as a long distance lorry driver. And then there's other uh, opportunities out there that are better paid possibly and and offering a different type of. So there's a quite a lot of competition on talent just now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you the question I suppose is less about education and but more about the wider understanding of this education ecosystem and funding ecosystem and business ecosystem, as you say, working together to try and ensure that you know nobody is blocked from getting into the position they would like to be in. Yeah. Well, obviously from that, anyone you know can can apply to your college courses. You're prerequisite for the. You know, entry level from school, you need uh, certain qualifications. But if you're joining as a what is classically a mature student, then there should be no barriers to your learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned some things there, and you know, this is purely anecdotal, but you know, it's coming from a, um, conversations that we're having with industry stakeholders and, and business people. So right now, there is a you know a skill shortage for those entry level jobs that you highlighted, Doug, um, and somewhere in between, you know, it's a wee bit different, you know, from your. Uh, supervisory manager levels, but when it goes to senior managers as well, apparently there's there's a lot of vacancies out there because through the pandemic, a lot of people just you know weighed up their life choices. Do I have to do this again? Could I take my pension? Could I? And they've left, yeah. and they've, they've left that gap. Equally, now you have a a, a younger employment uh, or generation who want things differently. They want more flexibility with employment. You have industry sectors now that you know through the crisis of recruitment that they face. Well, you, you know, take chefs as an example, because we've got a lot of you know uh, qualified chefs in here that teach. So what what they're telling me and they're picking up from industry is that you know a lot of people were saying, yeah, well, I'll come back because it was on furlough for so long. But I don't like work weekends, twelve hour shifts, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, so they're demanding you know changes to their terms and conditions, 
And unless the employers meet that demand, they're not going to have them. So, it, it, you know, it's a perfect storm in a lot of ways for, you know, employers and sectors, and they have to respond to that, you know. Take the, the hospitality sector, you know, they've lost huge amounts of um, personnel. Um, it's not to say they've disappeared back to the EU, like some of the sceptics would like to say. That has happened, uh, you know, but a lot of them are driving for Morrisons and Asda now, you know. Not bad salary, driving job, deliveries, maybe get the weekend off. Um, and, and you know, and, it, and it's hard to talk people back out of that into the, the jobs that they had before the lockdown. Um, so a lot of people have, you know, made made life choices during during furlough uh, and during lockdown. And that's having a, a you know a specific impact on key sectors. Um, so, you know, we're working through that with, with certain industry partners as well and, and helping them. You know, a classic example is a living wage, you know, so a lot of employers that paid poorly in the past, well, to attract even young entry-level people, you know, whether they've got skills or qualifications or experience, if they want them to start working with them, they'll have to pay them, you know, appropriately because that's what the market's demanding now. It feels know? almost that the pandemic has, has, you know, created, you know, better conditions for entry-level or younger workers or, or low-paid workers than the unions have done, possibly in terms of the challenges they do to, to the management teams as such. Um, and, the, and you're absolutely right. It's not just at the, that level where you're getting a living wage, you're getting better terms and conditions, a better life, uh, you know, work-life balance in terms of flexibility of working from home, maybe sometimes to, to do childcare or anything like that, women returning to work. There's all sorts of you know, gender um, you know, opportunities as well. I, I would say, and on the, the the kind of aged workforce who are maybe saying, you know what, I can either just go and retire or, you know, I don't need to go and commute. I can maybe still provide my knowledge and wisdom and maybe just do it remotely. I can work from anywhere in the world now. Um, um, so there's, there's something positive about that. I think we, we can't lose so many people, you know, from the one end and then we can't fill in the, the beginning. But um, I suppose there's something around understanding around that, the education, the, the lifetime learning, did you call it? That, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, that you don't just learn nowadays. You're not going to have a career where you're in one job for the rest of your life, you're going to have a portfolio career. So yeah. what, what part does that make in terms of if there's, okay, we, we're looking at potentially inflation because of you know job, uh, sorry, uh, wages going up and all sorts of things. But <clears throat> if we don't get that, then the, the, the benefits of people being more actively engaged in jobs they enjoy, earning a decent wage, you know, uh, that's obviously going to have a positive impact um, going forward. But in terms of <clears throat> the, the opportunity to develop there are certain core skills that I, I see that people talking like Skills Development Scotland talking about meta skills and things like that. There's kind of softer skills that we need as a human being to be able to sense make, problem solve, communicate. Are these things that colleges and universities and schools should really be focusing on to help everybody have these, these core skills, no matter what kind of career trajectory you go on? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, those, those, are, those are critical uh, to the success of any individual um, getting into the, the, the workplace. Um, you're right, you just come back to the point you made there, and we, you know, we were talking about this just, just the other day. As an employer now, you know, if you take your um, you know, maritime capacity, you know, uh, traditionally it's, it's not hard to attract them in from industry. Well, it is because they can earn more, etc. Um, and the location of Glasgow might not be appealing to a lot of people who are based down the south coast of England, for example. But now, because of the pandemic and because, we, you know, we can do exclusive courses online. Um, we can recruit anyone from anywhere in the UK and they can be based working for the set of Glasgow College from home. Yeah. Now, when things start to 
not relax, but go back to some sort of semi-normality. There may be occasions where we want you in, maybe, you know, a certain periods over a month to familiarise with the organisation, to familiarise yourself with your colleagues, etc. Um, but that won't stop us now recruiting from a much broader perspective. You know, you're right, the pandemic's allowed people to think, I'm going to work a bit differently. I could buy that house in the country and make money off the city centre property and I can still do my consultancy, I can still work and still travel and go and visit people. Um, and that requires the core skills, you know, the the, the, the whole, the, the much rounder development. Um, so the colleges have got a critical role to play and make sure that's embedded into a lot of the programmes, but making it fit for that industry and fit for that sector as well. Um, so that's something, you know, we just that's continual. That's something the colleges will never stop working at. And finally, just to finish off, I'm interested in the idea of blended learning in terms of where you learn, you know, how you learn if it's online or physically in the same location. But the other type of blended learning I was thinking about is how do you integrate different subjects together that would be really useful for, you know, if you come in to become, you know, a joiner or, or a, brick, a brickie or you know, if you're in maritime or if you're in, uh, you know, hospitality. Are there yeah. core skills that might be influenced by, you know, the whole COP thing that's coming up, climate, about carbon, understanding basic things around digital and data? Are these things that would be also useful to infuse, not, not, not maybe not every course, but, yeah. you know, many courses so that you're getting that blend of thinking, what we did with Future Equipped a few years ago, for example. Yeah, Bring yeah. Health, health and welfare, ICT and construction together and doing a blended module that would then, you know, bring that perspective across yeah. the different disciplines. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll tell you something that, you know, apart from climate literacy training that, you know, is, is we're embedding into a lot more subject areas. Right. Um, we're actually undertaking um, an audit just now of where sustainability and climate is in the curriculum, but it might just not be obvious. So there's, you know, over a thousand, over 1,500 courses here. Um, and we're actually just picking out where is climate, where is it? So you take a supply chain course, Clearly, there is a lot of climate sustainability work in there, but it's just not under that banner, um, but it's there. But I think one of the things that will underpin all courses going forward is that health and well-being of the individual. You know, the pandemic is certainly you know, that care, compassion that, you know, we as educators need to understand to get the best out of those those, those people that are taking part in those courses. Um, but climate will certainly play a huge part in that. So you're right, blending what we know, where it's relevant and the right subject choice and the right subject areas um, is critical for going forward. You know, historically, if I give you, give you an example, you know, we, a beauty course way back in the day, 10 years ago, HND Beauty, there used to be a lot of business elements in it that the college put in there because a lot of these people, yeah, they'd be, you know, honing their craft and beauty, but they were all self-employable, right? Yeah. right from the moment they graduated. You know, so they needed to know about business, they needed to know about running their own business as a self-employed person. Um, and a lot of that still goes on, you know, uh, in the courses. It just so happens with the, the, the crisis now that is climate, that is also paramount and that needs to be put into a lot more um, curricular areas so that what they're learning, what they're, you know, what their vacation they're hoping to achieve, they're aware of climate and the impact that that vacation will make on it. Oh, that's really good to know and a good example. And uh, I think when, when we feel safe and secure, we're always able to learn uh, uh, much better, I suppose. So it's great to hear from you at uh, City of Glasgow College and good luck with COP coming up. All the best. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Roy. Well, folks, that was our CEO, Doug Morwood, and Roy Gardner of City of Glasgow College discussing understanding and education. 
Links to both parties' social media channels can be found in the description. Tune in next Friday, where we'll be joined by another guest to look at a data-powered approach. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the weekend.